Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth, and writer, editor, Spurs and Brentford man, Sean Walsh, talking in the immediacy after two of the biggest transfers of the summer were on the verge of confirmation. Both quite surprising. Let's, in my notes, Toby, I have initial outrage over Caicedo fee which is, it's not Chelsea who are paying over £100 million. The, the price that Brighton wanted, they wanted £100 million. They've got more from Liverpool. What's your initial reaction? Jurgen Klopp doesn't do big transfer fees, mate. He, uh, he will leave football the day that that happens. 2016, he said that, right? About Paul Pogba. And yet here we are, Liverpool paying well over the odds to Moises Caicedo. I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, this is a mental deal, even at 80 million. So for Liverpool to to get to 110 or 111 million pounds, I think Tony Bloom might be uh, one of the greatest chairmen in football history in terms of transfer dealings. That is an incredible bit of business for Brighton uh, and flabbergasting behaviour from Liverpool. Graham, Brighton, what a business that is. Yeah, it's, it's just all about good recruitment. Isn't it? It's got um, good signing um, at the right price, huge profit. I, I'm I'm not astounded by this. I, I I think it was 100 million pound minimum Liverpool made the move to get him. I love Caicedo. I say I think he's potentially one of the best midfielders in the world. I think, and, and you know, we talked previously, Scott, about how whilst I don't mind Mason Mount as a player for United, I always thought it was the wrong club. Right, right player, but wrong club, you know, didn't fit. I think Caicedo is an ideal signing. I is he twice a... the player that Mason Mount is? Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How much would he cost if he wasn't yeah. playing in England, Ron, in your opinion? Caicedo, depends which club he was coming from, you know. I, I, I do think he's got, he's potentially, I think he's already one of the best midfielders in the Premier League, potentially one of the best midfielders in the world, and it's a stunning capture. I think it turns them from Possible top three to guarantee top three. It moves them so much closer to Arsenal and City. It is untrue. In com- and I'm comparing to Lavia. He, yeah, he's twice the price of Lavia. I think he is twice the player as Lavia at the moment. Lavia could get to him, but as it stands, I think he is twice the player. And it's a great deal for Liverpool. The fee doesn't really get... I'm, I'm not a Liverpool accountant. It doesn't really bother me. The fact that they've traded in Henderson and Fabinho for Caicedo is the way I see it. A wonderful deal for Liverpool. Wonderful. I do wonder if... Um, Liverpool can stomach that Casado fee because they did get such a good fee for McAllister. Yeah, yeah. potentially. I mean, they, they did they did get a good fee there. Uh, well, it's like combined combined one forty guys. So if you see it like that, it's not a bad deal, is it for them too? For a midfield that came one place below them last season, plus uh, untried Dominic Schaubuschlei. Anyway. Thank goodness for Al Itihad and their forty million pounds for Fabinho. I will add. Uh, yeah, well, we'll talk about Caicedo in a little bit more depth. As a Man United fan, I can imagine the outrage if Man United had spent this money on Moises Caicedo. But it's a good deal in Liverpool books. Uh, I-, I think it is a good deal. But by the way, we'll talk about that in a little bit more depth. But Sean is here as well. Unfortunately, we will kick off the show with Harry Kane. And his transfer to Bayern Munich, which despite all of the holdups, despite uncertainty after Bayern saw a bid accepted for him on Thursday, uh, 
Harry Kane is going to Bayern Munich. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Please subscribe to the show on all your major podcast platforms and follow us at underscore, double underscore, Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth, at Graham Bailey, and at Sean DZ Walsh. Sean, uh, I've seen that there were... Uh, even a, a friend of mine who's a, a Tottenham streamer was on live when the, when the news of this came through that Tottenham had actually accepted the Harry Kane bid. And it was it was that kind of Ralph Wiggum Simpsons heartbreak meme. Uh, how do you feel about this? Just in general, Sean. I've I've been trying to think of kind of comparable situations to this, like in sport. I just don't think there is. I don't think there's been a situation where this kind of homegrown hero who's been with a club for you know most of his life, who has done so much who represents so much of the era in which he's played for the club who despite all that has not won a trophy who is now just going to leave when everyone thought that that was not going to be the case that he was going to stay for at least one more year I just can't think of another situation like this and it's really kind of I can't it's, it's an incomparable feeling it's nothing that I've ever really experienced before the close I can think is you know when how Arsenal fans must have felt when Thierry left Arsenal but that's different because he wasn't homegrown he wasn't you know, he didn't go through this trophy drought. He won almost everything there was to win. He got them close to a Champions League as well. And it's it's completely baffled me. I'm just thinking, I've cheered on every single one of Harry Kane's goals in his career. And from today or tomorrow, that's not going to be the case anymore. That's such a weird feeling to have. Toby, will Bayern get Harry Kane registered in time to win a trophy within 24 hours of joining? They hope so. Uh, I'm not actually sure what time the deadline is to get him registered for the, the German Super Cup, but you'd expect Bayern are going to win that game. Um, I think it'd be even more heartbreaking for Spurs supporters for the deal to go through, for Kane to play in that game and for him to lift a trophy within 24 hours of leaving. I know it's not as simple as that and there's more to it, but that will just It be means another... bugger rule, I promise you. Yeah, it'll just <laughs> be another jab in the ribs though, won't it, for everybody who's not a Spurs fan to level that at you guys. Um, that Kane doesn't need to play in that game um, from Bayern's point of view I think they'd like him to it could just be a case that he's presented at that game but um, it is sad for the Premier League I think I will add that in the fact that Kane is leaving um, he's still at the very peak of his powers he's set to sign a four-year deal at Bayern Munich I wonder if he will be there for the full four years, depending on how Bayern get on. If they win the Champions League, maybe he'll come back to the Premier League sooner than that. I do envisage him ending his career in England. Just depends how long he's going to be away in Germany. If that move back to England does happen, Sean, I don't know about you. I now cannot see him going anywhere else but Tottenham on his return because I think any other interested party are going to have moved on with their transfer plans and Kane will be... 32, 33, uh, probably 33 by the time that happens. It would just be Spurs for me, but he's obviously decided this is the best thing for him to do. I didn't see it initially. I still don't really see it, but Bayern can challenge for the Champions League, can't they? And that's obviously a huge thing for Harry Kane in this deal. Graham, so how how did this happen? Well, it it all started the last year, really. You know, if we've myself and Sean have um, a few tweets last twenty four hours showing that the real serious interest in Brian emerged last summer, August time, and then September, 
we wrote a piece suggesting that Tottenham were worried about Bayern Munich. As it transpires, they had every right to be. Um, a year later, it's it's gone through. It's it's one which I think that on balance, Harry Kane's thought um, it's a good move for him. And when this first came up, we we spoke about it last year in depth on the show on on the pod that we thought actually, you know, he was being linked to Paris and Madrid and stuff, but we actually thought that Munich might be the best fit in terms of the family environment, etc. for him, um, low-key destination in terms of the paparazzi, etc. So I think as a city, it'll suit him. As a club, it'll suit him. He's the Lewandowski replacement, remember, so the fans are going to love him. In terms of how it happened, um, you know, clearly Levy was pushing for this, this deal of, of over hundred million pound at least, I thought he. Want, I thought he would have asked more. In terms of add-ons, we understand it could get to one hundred twenty million euros. So that's what, just over one hundred three in terms of exchange rate today. So it's not bad. I think obviously he's weighed up with um, with the rest of the hierarchy. Do we if we keep him, he goes on a free? Can I, I think it came down to the fact that can if Kane stays, does that guarantee Tottenham a top four? If so, then it's possibly worth losing 100 million because it comes back in terms of Champions League money and, and prize money in Premier League. I think they've weighed it up and thought even keeping Kane doesn't guarantee us top four. So, on that and, and balance of probability, they've had to take the money. And I understand that's the way that's the avenue they've gone down. Um, completely irreplaceable for Spurs. But I think, I think, in terms of what Levy's done, he should have done it quicker. Um, they've got a bit of time now to do it, but I think they're leaving themselves. Well, so, this is the, so, so short. This is the thing. I mean, Sean, I'm, I'm seeing, like I say, I've got a lot of Spurs mates who are, my timeline is them heartbroken over this. But I think what Spurs fans can't really get their head around really is the fact that they're doing this 48 hours before the season kicks off. If that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's left another manager high and dry again. It's another situation where, you know, it's going to fall into Postacoglu's lap. He's got this massive problem now that, we all thought he was going to stay. I think there was a little bit of a rumbling period last week where it looked like Bayern might really go over top with a bid and it might be deemed kind of, you can't reject it. Um, Postacoli did speak in his last press conference after Shakhtar Donetsk that he just wanted it sorted either way. He doesn't really care if he stays or goes. He just wants it sorted so his clarity. I think he would have liked the clarity a little bit sooner. I don't think he would have appreciated um, the team's best player being just snatched from him a couple of days before a really tough opening game of the season. And if Spurs lose the opening game, which I suspect they will away at Brentford, there could be a lot of doom and gloom and it doesn't get much easier home to Manchester United next week. So I think this is a problem that's come from upstairs that the mood could be so sour. If Spurs lose at Brentford, if Spurs go a goal or two down at home to Manchester United as it did last season, the protests could be like nothing I've ever seen. I think there is real now. There are people who have stood by Levy and Enoch and their ownership. I've seen that really flip in the last 24 hours. They are running out of supporters. Yeah, United go to Spurs next week. And I think Ayrton Hager said he wants Man United to be the best transition team in the world. So I think if Spurs are going to play a high line... <laughs> oh, God. Good good luck. Uh, because mm. United have some fast players. Anyway, um, I'm just a bit shocked. I'm, I mean, Toby... I always thought it would. Maybe this is a question for Sean. Like, what what would you preferred if he was going to do? If he was going to go, I'll come to you, Tobin, in a second. If, if it we, were, if it were, where would you've got? If it, is buying the best case scenario really 
would you have stomached him moving to a Premier League rival? Scott, you want, you're heartbroken a little bit, Scott. You wanted him. <laughs> you wanted I am a little bit, but ultimately I think United sitting on the sidelines is most sensible. Well, I, th- I do think that Spurs fans have had it in their head, particularly when Kane first broke through, that if he was going to go somewhere, he felt like a Manchester United sort of player, like the face of the England team. And that's the kind of feeling that's come from Germany. That's why it is so big for Bayern, that they have just signed the Premier League's, you know, the biggest star, the England captain. That's huge for them. Um, I still think it's weird that it is Bayern. I would have, if I was Kane, I probably would have held tight for a year, see what what offers arise next summer. Because we've talked a lot, Graham, about Real Madrid are there. They're not willing to pay right now, but on a free, that's something that they definitely would have explored. And I think if I was Kane, I would have held tight for another year. Yeah, definitely. I think I think because it wasn't a, it wasn't nailed on one hundred percent that Real would come in January. It was always possible rather than likely. Especially the Mbappe situation, I think as I said, that's what it, what's driven it. The fact that Barcelona probably aren't in the market at the moment because they've got Lewandowski. There weren't there weren't that many options out there for him really. And and would he do that to Tottenham going to free and join a Tottenham? Uh, sorry, United or a Chelsea? Probably not. So I think he's doing him a, doing him a favour in that regard. So yeah. Um, it's a good fit. It's a nice fit for him. But yeah, um, it's I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he was got. Uh, sorry, Sean. I'm surprised he's not waiting until January to weigh up his options further. But um, clearly, he's had the message from from Levy. Um, time for you to go, Toby. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's all doom and gloom. But Spurs do have an understudy who costs sixty million quid. Who can just, just plop in? You get the feeling that this was the plan at some point. Is you don't spend £60 million on a player to not think they're going to be a first-choice player at some point. And I think Richarlison's best... Especially football... when you're Tottenham. Absolutely. Um, I think Richarlison's best football in the Premier League has actually come out on the left wing. But while Son Heung-min remains at the club, that's not really been an option. But he's shown what he can do for Brazil as a number nine. So there is something in my mind saying that Spurs signed Richarlison in case this happened at some point. It was a a huge investment to make if that wasn't the case. Um, I still think Spurs have got to go and sign somebody else. And as we've said, it's a bit mad to think that they've left it until the day before the season actually starts today with Burnley taking on Manchester City. They haven't got much time to go and find a real goal-getter between now and the end of August. And let's not forget Richarlison. That's my question. Do they need one? I think I they feel could... like... Go on, Sean. Well, I was just going to say, Richarlison did only score once last season. So confidence will be a thing. A lot of those appearances were off the bench and his minutes were limited. But until he starts scoring regularly, I think there's going to be so many seeds of doubt, right, Sean, at Spurs, that where are the goals going to come from? You're now turning the attention away from Kane's going to get them all. You want Madison and Son to basically carry you through this initial period. I think that there is definitely potential for that to happen for sure. That Son, he says that he had um, surgery in his hernia over the summer. He feels back to his best again. So you hope that he has a comeback season there. Madison has already looked quite threatening in pre-season. He looks like someone who's going to chip him a lot of goals and assists. Kuzevsky looks much sharper again after he had a bit of injury struggles last year. You hope that what happened with Charleston last year was a one-off and you put that down to he had a he never really had a solid run in the starting lineup in his preferred position. You ne- he never really got going and for various reasons he didn't seem to get on with Conte a lot either. You hope that this new environment that Postacoglu is creating will help just everyone 
be better than they were last year because I know Kane got 30 last year, but Spurs still scored 70 in total, which is quite a lot for a team that came eighth. I think beyond that, um, Graham, we wrote a piece the other day about Spurs had sounded out other players such as Gift Orban, who I didn't realise had a ludicrous scoring rate since he moved to Ghent. So, didn't, he do, didn't he do a madness this week as well? He scored a hat trick in the conference yes. league this week. Yeah, and I think the other. So the other point I do want to make is the situation, not in terms of like an emotional one, but in terms of the state of the club. Do you remember when Hazard left Chelsea in 2019, and they had a transfer ban, and all they really had were these young players coming back from loan. They had Lampard coming in as you know, pretty much a rookie coach, and Chelsea. They found a way just to kind of harness this kind of positivity of we are the back no one believes in us we can just go about our business if we're bad so what people think we're going to be bad anyway and Lampard to his credit he's not had a lot of good seasons since but that first season was really impressive he got on the top four for energy got him to the FA Cup final despite losing their best player who had so many goal contributions I think that's probably the model that Spurs have got to look at and Spurs fans have got to look at and say it there doesn't need to be all this feeling that it's going to be a rubbish season. There is some hope that football works in funny ways. You know, it's not as simple. It's not as kind of cut and dry as you think it's going to be. There's always these surprises. There's always, we have, we talked about our predictions. We think that there's a kind of more of a clear top four. That never happens. You know, everyone had Spurs coming third last year. Look what happened. You don't know what's going to happen. Spurs have got to cling on to this mad hope, you know. One, one positive for you, Sean. I think you've got the right manager in now in terms of his demeanour mm. and how balanced... Ange Postacoglu has been in his press conferences so far. I think he he prepared for the worst. If this was happening under Conte or Mourinho, there would be oh, fires. <laughs> there'd be fires all over the place. But I think yeah. Ange is just going to take it in his stride. Probably he's got his press conference this afternoon. We'll probably mm. say it is what it is. He's the right manager in terms of keeping everybody calm to get you through this initial crisis, so to speak. Of oh my God, Harry's gone. He'll be all right with it, and you'll just move on. He's yeah. the right manager yeah. in terms of... He's the right manager because by appointing Ange Postacoglu, you've already lowered your expectation levels. You've lowered it. It's like you're going to Man United. Wait, you, would you by, put by... Tottenham in the league, Graham, in your predictions the other day? <laughs> with, with, with Harry Kane... Make, make I, your with, mind up, Graham. With, are they, they going to no, be good I put that? it in brackets. With Harry Kane, I had them fourth. Now with Richarlison... Oh. With Harry Kane, the worst I had them fourth. But however, I, I like Richarlison. I think he's Brazil's number nine. I don't think it's a massive... I think people... Overreacting, I think it was a 15 20 season goal season striker there. I I'd have them, I, I think, you know, anywhere from fifth to eighth now. But I think by appointing Posta Coglu, I think that helped lower the expectation levels, not not having to go at him, but it helped with the Spurs fans. You know, by appointing Mourinho's and Conte's, the message is, oh, we might try and go for a title push. You're well, yeah, Spurs that needed that though. You're not doing that with Postacoglu. You, you, yeah, exactly. It is. It's I, a right appointment, and I think, but I think, but could. I don't think it's paper over cracks. I think he is a very good number nine. He's Brazil's number nine. I, I think Postacoglu is secretly very happy that this is resolved. I, I think he yeah, just wants I to get on so with it. it. I think he just wants to get on with it. He knows what he's got. It's like another centre half. It's like Luis. It's like Luis Enrique at PSG. All he wants is that Mbappe situation sorted out. Whether it's got whether it's for the good or bad, the managers just want a settled squad, don't they? They want to know what's going on before the end of the deadline. Right, Harry Kane will complete his move to Bayern. We don't expect any uh, any further hitches after some suggestions that Tottenham were keeping him at the airport. But I think it's all sorted, and Bayern should confirm that over the the next few days. We wait and see if he plays against Leipzig in the Super Cup. 
But there is another transfer that we have mentioned at the top of the show that we should also discuss as well. Moises Caicedo is joining Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp has essentially confirmed that Liverpool have had a deal accepted by Brighton worth £111 million. That is a lot of money, Graham. It is. British record, Liverpool record, um, smashes Liverpool's on record, doesn't it? What, 80, 80 million-ish for Van der Dijk, Van der Dijk, Van Dijk from Southampton. Um, so, yeah, um, they've. I like the fact that F- FSG have given him the money, you know, what they raised from Fabinho and Henderson. And he's actually said that in the press conference this morning, Club, you know, they were saying, oh, why, why can I say they're not Bellingham? Totally different landscapes. You know, I think if they had the, if they had all that money from Saudi Arabia for Henderson and Fabinho, they might have very well have done Jude Bellingham. It just it's a different different situation. And I think I said I think they've used it wisely. I love Caicedo. I mean that three in midfield now, him, McAllister, Zobislai. Wow, the ceiling on that is is just phenomenal. Um, it really changes the the situation for the ball. I still think they're a centre half short of challenging the top two, um, which we discussed again before, which I think they might address at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a great deal. But yeah, it's one situation where Brighton um, engaged with talks. It happened very quickly. They engaged with talks with Liverpool on the Thursday, denied a bid had gone in. But the feeling they got from Liverpool was that there was a big bid coming in at some point last night. And it wasn't until about either message at three in the morning of the size of the fee. Um, 111, not 110. Yeah, no, 111. The Brighton are insisting that is the fee. Uh, there is sell-ons, etc., etc. But it's yeah, 111 million pound is the overall deal. And uh, Brighton very happy. Liverpool are happy because they've got <laughs> they have ended up getting they were targeting Romeo Lavia. They wouldn't go to 50 for him, and they have got someone who they clearly think is twice the player. That's why they're paying more than twice the price. Um, ignoring the fee, I think it's a great deal. I do. I think I love Moses Caicedo. So probably slightly biased because I think he's he's so good and. Um, yeah, it, it 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 certainly. I think it takes Liverpool away from the pack and closer to to City and Arsenal. Your thoughts, Toby? I think it's overpriced. Uh, I'm not doubting that Caicedo is a really promising midfielder, one of the most exceptional talents in Europe, possibly even world football. As Graham's touched on, it just feels reactionary to me. I think Liverpool have maybe looked at the business that Arsenal have done this summer. City are obviously streets ahead of everybody else. United have spent a lot. If Liverpool didn't do this, Chelsea would, were potentially getting Caicedo and one or two others. I don't think Liverpool can afford to miss out again on the top four. That might be what this message really is. Uh, and they wouldn't really want to pay this fee ordinarily. I don't doubt that when Jurgen Klopp says this kind of spending isn't for me. It probably isn't for him because it puts an awful lot of pressure on him and the club to get Liverpool back in the title mix. Um they're going to need to get up to speed quite quickly as well. I know Sobrislai, McAllister and Kaiseda are three very good players, but that's a brand new midfield for Liverpool that you're just wanting really. to... really. Kaiseda and McAllister played together before. Yeah, but they've still got to play for Liverpool. They've been playing for Brighton where the expectation is different. They're going to be expected to just slot in now and immediately link up with Liverpool's uh, really dangerous front line. I'm not saying they won't, but they might not it could take them a month or two to really get up to speed. And Liverpool, I don't think, can afford to have a slow start. We saw last season what a slow start does to you. When you're playing catch-up, the pressure is really then on to win each and every week. He's a good signing. Of course he is. I would have 
pushed for Romeo Lavia because I think 50 million for him in the current market, in the current climate, is an unbelievable deal. I think he will be at some point in the future a 100 million pounds player. Caicedo, I don't know. I, I don't have him as high as Graham does. I think he's very good, but I think Lavia has actually got the potential. Do you not think in that holding, not thinking the holding role at all? Yeah, I think, you, I think would, the fact would, that he's Lavia more ahead of Caicedo than Lavia is. Yeah, uh, just, I, I find that maybe not yeah. double the player in terms of price, but well, that's know. this is what I'm talking about. I don't think I say I, I there is sixty I don't million think Lavia, pounds worth more than Lavia right now. I just don't and think I don't Lavia think that... was a was a good replacement though, Toby, for for Fabinho, who who's this is who's we're replacing here at that base of the diamond or the triangle. I think Caicedo is perfect for that. Similar or the to square, talk, yeah, as it is nowadays. I, I, I just don't think that um, Lavia is is defensive enough to fill that role but I think Caicedo is perfect I, I just think it's the right it's the right player in the right team I think it just it fits like a glove we'll see I think Alexander Arnold <laughs> slotting into the midfield would potentially have masked any uh frailties in Lavia's defensive game because he still has a lot to learn but so does Caicedo Caicedo is 21 years old and has played 50 games in this country and Brighton have got him for 4 million and sold him for 111 which is insanity if you ask me but we'll see how this works out well just to flag just because you spend over 100 million pounds on a player does not necessarily mean that they will succeed we have a list and this is back from the end of june but we're just gonna I'll, i'll announce these for you if you're listening and you can make your own mind up about whether these players have been successful or not neymar 222 million euros killing mbappe that's fine Unless, well, PSG can lose him for free. Uh, Felipe Coutinho to Barcelona. João Felix to Atletico Madrid. Enzo Fernandez and Declan Rice. Jury's out. Obviously, they both just moved. Antoine Griezmann. Jack Grealish. Is he a rousing success? Romelu Lukaku to Chelsea. <laughs> Unbelievable. Asmain Dembele to Barcelona. Paul Pogba to Manchester United. Jude Bellingham just moved this summer. Cristiano Ronaldo and Gareth Bale to Real Madrid. I think they are two successes, absolutely. Eden Hazard to Real Madrid as well. That is not. So there's only three that I count there out of that 15 that are absolutely nailed on, bona fide successes. The We'll have to wait and see on a few of them. And only one, only, one over, only one of those over £100 million, Scott. Only, there's only been one successful player over £100 million so far. So just because teams sign players for lots and lots of money past that barrier does not necessarily mean they will end up succeeding because you do come in with this expectation of having to deliver every week you can't make any you can't get dribble past because social media will rip you and one thing this does point out though as well guys it's very hard to make money off these players Mm. absolutely as you just said Mbappe with the one success they're not going to make money on that how do you define success of a player who costs over 100 million because the way I look at it, if you spend that much money on a player, you're expecting to win your league or you're expecting to win the Champions League. Anything else is regarded as a bit of a failure, isn't it? I think if you're Liverpool and Moises Caicedo, you have to win both at some at some point. That's the aim. That's the aim really, that's the measure. I think they see Caicedo as one of those final cornerstones, but he is a real cornerstone that team potentially going forward. I still, I still think they are lacking a defender to really challenge City and Arsenal, but I think that takes them, it does take them a lot closer. I think that signing three new star midfielders like this in one summer is a 
bit much. I really don't think that they'll be. But do you not think with what Scott said, the fact that them two know each other so well, it's like you're buying a duo, aren't you? I, I get it, I get it, but I, I get it. I do still think it's it's different playing for Brighton than it's for Liverpool. It's definitely different playing under Jurgen Klopp. There's different well, things you need to do. I think I, that I, Liverpool will rely a lot on those other rotating midfielders. Graham, like I'm going to task you with this days. because they are saying on television as we record this that Moise Caicedo is having second thoughts about this move. So. Well, well, the 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 noises last night were. Um, and I did, I did see it on Twitter. I'd never seen it before. I did see that picture of Kaiser doing that Chelsea kit. Have you seen that doing the rounds on Twitter where he's always been, been a fan? He was he is due on Merseyside, as I speak. I will I will send messages now. Um, Maybe by the he, end of the show, we'll have some kind yeah. of update for you. Uh, <laughs> but play play along with us. We've just talked about Liverpool overspending on Moises Kaiser. Or I think it's a good transfer if they can get it over the line. Whoever gets him, you make a hell of a difference today in midfield. Uh, my next section was meant to be Chelsea, what now? But we'll, we'll push that back to the end of the show while Graham does. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. His checks on if Chelsea's bid is actually dead in the water or not. And we'll switch to irons in the fire, Toby. We'll, we'll move to Chelsea at the end. Hopefully we'll have some kind of uh, certainty on whether there's anything in that. But irons in the fire. Edson Alvarez is official. James Ward-Prowse will soon be official. Harry Maguire is expected to be official. Flynn Downs is going to Southampton. And there's a Lucas Paqueta-sized potential transfer that could happen. What's going on, Toby? Chaos. Absolute chaos. Uh, What a week it's been. West Ham started the week having not signed a player, don't forget. And then... Graham did a report at the beginning of the week to say West Ham looking to sign up to half a dozen players before the end of August. Edson Alvarez, as you've just said, Scott, is number one, signed, sealed and delivered on a five-year contract. James Ward-Prowse is having his medical today for West Ham. I don't think he will be registered in time to play for the season opener against Bournemouth. Neither will Harry Maguire. That's not as far advanced. He's getting a nice severance uh, payoff from Manchester United, isn't he, Scott, to make this deal happen? But 30 million fees for Maguire and for Ward Prowse, which coupled with Alvarez would take West Ham's spending over 90 million on those three alone. Admittedly, not all in one chunk, but that's a lot of money to go. Uh, Flynn Downs, you've touched on there, looking to go to Southampton on loan with the option of a permanent move. He's never really found his feet at West Ham. I think we knew he was going to be a squad player when he moved to West Ham last summer. Uh, so he could be going out when Ward-Prowse comes in. I don't think the move for Scott McTominay is completely dead in the water yet. United rejected £30 million for him. That one could still come back to the fore. Oh, with the midfield market now, Toby. How much are you asking for, 60 Scott? £60 million. <laughs> You'll be lucky. United want around 40 to 45 million from our understanding. So West Ham think that's a bit much, but I wouldn't say that that's completely off yet. 
Uh, West Ham also looking at Eli Wahi of Montpellier. He is on the road or has been on the radar of Arsenal. Chelsea have had a bid rejected earlier this summer. Eintracht Frankfurt really like him. So do Monaco. There's lots and lots of things going on, Scott, is the is the short answer to your what's going on question. But Harry Maguire is perhaps going to be the standout signing. Uh, not necessarily one I think is a great fit long term, but it will certainly be the marquee arrival. Well, let me ask you, there's lots going on. Is it all good? I think a little bit, some of it rather, is a bit short-sighted. The Harry Maguire signing is a David Moyes signing. Um, we've been speaking all summer long about how long David Moyes is going to be at West Ham. It could only be the next 12 months. I think Harry Maguire is fairly limited in terms of the system that he can play in. I think a back three suits him best. Uh, West Ham have experimented with that in pre-season. I think he might be caught out in a back four despite West Ham playing a, a very low block. And there's obviously no resale value here for Harry Maguire. You could say the same for James Ward-Prowse. It's £30 million for a 28-year-old. He's a better signing for me because I think he will add an awful lot in terms of set pieces and he's got good legs in midfield. How much value can you put on James Ward-Prowse putting set pieces on the head of Harry Maguire? Which just dribble all... what dribble what? <laughs> they've got like they've got like ten Moise players or six here. foot two plus. Moyes <laughs> ball is here. He's probably looking at it, seeing where Fellaini is at the moment. David Moyes, isn't he? So, come on, <laughs> uh, um, Graham. Any updates yet, or should I push it? It's been played down to me. Um, even if Chelsea came in with more, being told, un- can't see it. So it's been played down. Um, suspicions of where the initial story has come from um, being said to me. But um, in this window, we can't rule anything out, which is the joy for us on the transfer front that we have to chase everything because you can't, you can't, you can't, we, we spoke about one Tottenham link, didn't we? Where we, I said no, but we, we have to chase, you have to chase up everything because in this crazy summer, we can't rule anything out. Um, although, John, I would say, interesting talk about Maguire and West Ham Metal, I mean, the one worry I've got um, from a personal point of view is, um, and I didn't put this in our predictions where, in terms of something we see, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you take Michael Carrick before the end of the season, and that's a huge worry for me. Um, and, and you know, if and then short sighted, if, if you did sign Maguire, one of the few managers coming in, Toby, who would actually probably like Harry Maguire. Is Michael Carrick? Well, he's got a better brand of football going on um, than David Moyes. I, f- I feel like I'm being harsh to David Moyes. He's won us a trophy last year. We've won a European trophy, but it is very. Can I, can I ask this question? Because as... I had David Moyes down as my first manager to go. Lopetegui's gone. The season ain't started yet. Mm-hmm. Like, when does it's that? Still, you, you would win that. You, you would win that. It's uh, not something, yeah, you would win that first. But well, I... I got outvoted yesterday. Oh, oh what? That's because I wasn't online. Yeah, well, the, season, the season hasn't started yet. Stats date. That's well, my when, argument. When, at Turf Moor, luckily covering the game for night, like, I'll be at Turf Moor this evening. That's when the season starts. So, yeah, you're right. It's um, justice it's in- for Scott. Anyway, um, Toby, talk about Lucas Paqueta. Yeah, this would be a huge blow for West Ham if Lucas Paqueta were to go. Me and Graham have been on top of Paqueta's unhappiness at West Ham for a number of months. 
he doesn't really get on with David Moyes. I think is the polite way of I putting had to, it. I had to make I had to make you do this story, Toby. Through you, you, you're really resistant. I, you didn't want to hear it, did you? A few through gritted ago. teeth. Yeah, through I had mittens on. Yeah, <laughs> anything to avoid doing it. Um, they don't get on, and West Ham's style of play does not suit Lucas Paquetta. You don't need a rocket scientist to tell you that. He had a really, really slow start last season, got better as the season went on. West Ham obviously achieved something great. Paquetta was one of the key players. Declan Rice has gone this summer. Manchester City have now come in for Lucas Paquetta and he obviously wants to make that move. As it stands, City uh, communicated with West Ham a verbal offer to begin with Graham. They've not formalised their interest yet with a written bid. We're anticipating that they're going to. West Ham's stance is they don't want to sell, but every player has a price, really. And if City cough up the goods, Pakatar is probably going to be leaving West Ham this summer. Yeah, um, the player wants to move. Um, you know, he's he's not happy with the situation. Um, you know, some some people in his, near his camp feel that uh, he he was more he was more um influential in West Ham's success of the European tights and staying up than David Moyes was. I think some West Ham fans would probably back up that sentiment, Toby, that he played a bigger part. Um yeah, it's just not it just doesn't fit as we talk about players fitting into certain teams. Piquette under David Moyes just doesn't fit. Doesn't work. And no you know, square square pegs and round holes. If Moyes stays, I think Piquetta will leave. Shawnee, um I don't and I don't anticipate that Lucas Paqueta will just be happy to sit there while West Ham say we want 90 million quid or whatever when Manchester City are the team on the other end of this transfer. I can imagine he will be very much willing this move through. <laughs> oh, what was the giveaway? Um <laughs> it's it's just a, does it feel like a weird one to you guys because I know Paqueta is all this kind of he has this good credit with Brazil. He didn't have an amazing season last year, but as you said, Toby, he kind of really grew into it. It does feel like one of those from City where it feels like they're running out of options more than anything. That They ha- they like the idea of what Pakata can be because, Toby, do you really think that he can go to Man City and be a starter? Technically, he's brilliant. Close control, um, shielding the ball away from players, linking play up. Saw glimpses of that at West Ham but it was only glimpses because of the system he was playing in. I don't think he would be a regular starter, no. I think he's got the attributes and the quality to play under Pep and he would probably develop his game a bit further. Uh, Yeah, he's not a regular starter for me, but hey, he'd get 15, 20 games in the Premier League to start with. Probably play a few more in Europe and then if he does well, follow the usual City transition period if he'll start starting more games Mm. as the seasons go on. But he could definitely play for them to, in terms of ability. Uh, he just didn't have the platform to show it at West Ham. Straight to the McTominay Fund, I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we'll see. Uh, I think if, if Man City were picking up Lucas Paqueta from Leon, I don't think there'd be any real issue here. I think, you know, he's always a... I think it was a, surpri- a surprise in the first place he even joined West Ham. Uh, you know, he's, I think he was always maybe bound for a club like that. Anyway, uh, let's move on to, we have Chelsea what now? Are we good to do Chelsea what now now, or should we do it at the end? Whenever you want. Well, Graham's already had it played down. 
about Moises Caicedo's uh, indecision or decision of potentially putting this Liverpool move on hold. But what if? Like, let, let's let's take it as uh, Chelsea have lost out. So what do Chelsea do? Because they have spent all summer long trying to sign Moises Caicedo. They have secured a deal for Tyler Adams, not official yet, but twenty million from Leeds. Romeo Lavia is another player they're interested in. They need a striker as well, really. How do we expect Chelsea's final three weeks to pan out? Yeah, and in that whole um, last 20 hours, the, the Adams one, Tyler Adams story, we went underneath the radar, didn't it? We, we did a story earlier in the week confirming that Chelsea had the interest. They firmed that up by meeting his release clause. I think he's an excellent pick-up for Chelsea, you know, in terms of experience, in terms of what he can bring to the squad. He can start 20 games a season um, easily for Chelsea. And he, he was Leeds' star man by a country mile last season. He was very, very good. I think at that price, it's a phenomenal pickup. I'm su- and it's not a surprise to me someone like Chelsea has gone for him. I could, I could have seen him at any of the top clubs. Man City aside, probably. I could have seen him at Arsenal. You know, I could have seen him anywhere. I think he's an excellent signing. In terms of Romeo Lavia, um, I think it, they, they will push push for him now. Joe Shields, the can't remember, can't remember his title. It's got a bizarre title as a technical director, head of recruitment, Zara of youth at Chelsea, whatever it is. He's, he's been pushing for Lavia. He likes him a lot. He's the man who took him to Samson in the first place. Can we rule Liverpool out of Lavia yet? I don't think we can at this stage just yet. Um, but obviously, um, I would make him more, more likely to go to Chelsea now. But yeah, I think another midfielder is required in there, possibly, depending on the Conor Gallagher situation. It does seem like Gallagher might be edging towards the exit door to a to a Tottenham, maybe. I think it is looking towards that. And they still need this forward situation resolving. Interestingly, um, Mohamed Kudos overnight, uh, Brighton have given up on him, it seems. They, they, were, they made the, the degree terms with Ajax, etc., but Kudos had been keeping them at, them at an arm's length for the whole entire period. He hadn't rejected them. He just wasn't really getting back to them with an answer saying, come and join us. Clearly, Brighton knew that he was holding out for a bigger club. Now, we know Arsenal and United, long-term long-term managers United, have all been inquired about him in recent weeks. Chelsea have been pushing ahead. Now, I, I imagine that Chelsea now are going to push ahead with Kudos. There is an interest there. Hey, if, it, if Chelsea stop Brighton from signing a player, I think they'll do everything they can to do that now. It's been really tip for tap between Chelsea and Brighton this summer, hasn't it? It really has. So, I mean, you won't let us have Caldwell, we won't let you have Caicedo, we're going to go for Kudos. And as you know, I love Kudos, I think he's a great signing, Scott. I think at 40 million, could be one of the bargains of the summer. I think he's he's got he's he's got that physique. I think he could, could be converted in a centre-forward, I think, as... Eric Ten Hag thought he could be the same as Gakpo, but I think he's got more hold-up player play potential. I think he could be that number nine. Not quite an awesome man, but I think he could become one day. And he could really challenge Nicholas Jackson at the start. So keep an eye on Kudos. I think could accelerate in the coming in the coming hours and days. Um, I think that might take their box for the number nine position. No, the back away from Vlaovic in the last few days. It was a case of um, over here in England, some, some people close to Chelsea intimated that Chelsea had no interest. They did, but as we said on Monday's pod, they just didn't value him at 70 million. They would have been happy to do a straight swap for Lukaku with a little bit on maybe 10, 15. They weren't willing to pay 40 plus Lukaku and that's where he tipped the balance. And so as it stands, Chelsea did not in for Vlavic because they don't agree with the, with his price. So it looks like kudos there. 
I said, and Tallam's coming in, possibly Lavia, and maybe another midfielder as well. But so they've got a bit of work to do. But I think this, um, I think not getting Caicedo is a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a sucker punch. I think it's taking the wind out of their sails a little bit, and especially for Pochettino, he wanted him badly. Brighton should I think go and sign Mario Lavia. I'm just saying this. I was going to say there's an irony in this, in that I thought that Tyler Adams would have made a good Caicedo replacement at Brighton, so Chelsea to go and head there. I think it's quite shrewd among all this nonsense. Lots Amazing. Nonsense. T- t- what, 20, 25 million? That's an, in today's market. It just doesn't buy you much, does it? But that's a phenomenal deal. Yes, indeed. Uh, three more stories for you today, or three more teams that we'll talk about. We'll do Man United, Real Madrid, and Everton. Manchester United are selling Fred to... Is it Fenerbahce, Graham? 13 yeah. to 15 million, including add-ons. Uh, big loss they're getting on him, but United just have to shift these players out. Eric Bailly on his way to Turkey as well. No, that, that's the Braz- just, just confirm, Scott, it's the Brazilian midfielder, not the mascot, isn't it? Yes. Brazilian midfielder, Fred. You, who you I will throw say, the mascot in as well. I will say this as well. I will say this. Fred and Scott McTominay are both victims of uh, misprofiling by a former manager. Both of them. They're both number eights. They are not a double pivot. And I think if Scott McTominay goes to West Ham, which still could happen, you'll see a lot better with Scott McTominay with an Edson Alvarez behind him. Anyway, Fred's out. Uh, what else are United doing, Graham? They are shifting lots of squad players. Yeah, they're doing a good job at the moment, aren't they? It's, especially as none of it's... I mean, they should get extra credit here, Scott, because you're not shipping them all to Saudi Arabia. As is he's 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 of what some of the teams are doing, you know. Donny van der Beek, this deal with Real Sociedad is getting there gradually. The player wants to go there. Is that Sociedad... permanent or loan? That's the discussion. United want permanent. Sociedad are happy to do permanent, but just worried a bit about his injuries, so they don't want to pay it and then not have a player. So I think they want loan with a with a mandatory slash obligation, um, depending on how many games he plays. So that that's the discussion really, where they're they're happy to take him permanently, but just a bit worried about his injury situation because he has suffered quite a lot in the last twelve months, as he's got on that front. But he will be going, and I say I do think that ties in with McTominay. You know, I really do. And then. Um, the Amrabat situation should then accelerate as well. Personal terms agreed with him. We know Juventus have been talking to him in recent days. Interesting of the Al getting rid of Zakaria to Monaco. So I do wonder, but the player does seem to want to be caught United. Um, and Atletico have dropped off as well a little bit, who, who was another team for them. So it's going to get interesting. It really is. And the thing with United and Maguire is the centre half situation, Scott. You know, we've reported. Um, about their Pavard interest, um, going back quite a way. That was I can't remember. Was that January when we first? Yeah, had Pavard well, I think he's wanted to leave since January, and he's gone on pretty much on public record. And but interest, interesting with him though is what we're being told from behind the scenes is that United looked at him for the right back issue because on the one Basaka whether he stays or goes, it's it's debatable, uh, and they were looking at Pavard as that right back option. Now Pavard's actually come out. And one of the reasons he wants to get out of Bayern, he wants to play centre-half. So that's actually pushed him back up the United list. And he, he could end, as we always said, Scott, earlier, we both thought that Timber would be ideal for United. I think Pavard's a close second now. Mm-hmm. That centre-half, who, who is a top quality right-back and centre-half. He really is. I think that he could land on the feet here with Pavard. You know, obviously, we're looking at Tadebo at Nice. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of his. Branthwaite is a lesser option. You're looking, you're looking around Europe, but I think Pavard, you know, 35, 30 million, he's still not 30 yet. I, Pavard could be an outstanding pickup for United. 
Well, Victor Lindelof is going to eventually want to leave as well. I think you're looking at maybe United will. I know for me anyway, I think United should go and address that centre-back position with a younger player of, you know, I think we wrote about Antonio Silva at Benfica being loved yeah, by yeah, scouts yeah. at United earlier this week as well. So maybe that is something to do next summer. And Pavard can kind of tie things over with Maguire leaving. But that having that extra option is that Heinz type player, isn't he? Where and, and even like Luke Shaw now, where you have that player who can equally, if you pick him at right back or centre half, you're getting the same performance. And that and, and that was a huge thing with Timber, wasn't it? And I think Pavard, yeah, I, I'm really excited about. It. Obviously, I've been critical of some United deals, but I think I think Amrabat and Pavard could save United summer, Scott. Hopefully, I think it doesn't need much saving. But anyway, uh, right, but if you. <laughs> So, hey, 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 if, 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 once you get Hoyland fit in December, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll wait and see. He is out on the training pitch, but has to be protected. I, I, uh, did, I, did, I did hear someone at United say he's got a Toby Cudworth tight back, which was worrying to me. Nothing wrong with that, G. Nothing wrong with that. I was in my prime when I was 21 or 22, so uh, he'll be fine. He's not even that. He's 20, isn't he? Anyway, uh, Sean. Is Hugo Lloris going to feature in the Real Madrid goalkeeping replacement stakes after Thibaut Courtois' ACL injury, which is, is bad news, obviously? It, yeah, it would be... Obviously, it's awful about Courtois, one of the world's best goalkeepers, but it would be quite humorous if Lloris managed to get his way into the sweepstakes. Um, I was actually saying to our colleague Jude on the What Night pod earlier this week that there is a universe where Lloris comes back in for Spurs, he doesn't get his move away because Vicario is crap right away and Luis can play in a high line and he becomes Spurs' most improved player. Um, I think that's less likely now. But anyway, we're here to talk about Real Madrid. So, they want to do goalkeeper. Can't, can't we talk about the deal that Arsenal did for Rio and make sure... They I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> really has been a terrible week, to be sure. No, it's been an <laughs> awful week. <laughs> oh. Jesus. Sean, if, if his Spurs move for Ivan Tony in January when he's not banned anymore, would that make you happy <laughs> or sad? Uh, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> you won't need him, Richardson. will go back. Well, yeah. 10 15 by then. It'd be fine, Scott. Fine, sure. Richardson will be at least one goal ahead of him in the rankings by then. Uh, Gra- Graham, we, we spoke about the Madrid goalkeeping situation. David De Gea, I know you should have, you, you thought, should stay at Man United. He has held talks with Real Madrid, but is he going to get that fax machine broken dream actually happen in 2023? Or are they going to go in another direction? Yeah, it looks like they're going in another direction. Um, Yassine Bonu, Bono from the World Cup, one of the um, one of the many Moroccan... Is he Moroccan, isn't he, Bono? Um, yeah. Morocco had a, such a sensational World Cup. We're seeing one of their stars obviously heading towards Trafford, possibly in Amrabat, his teammate Bono. Um, landing on his feet here, getting a move to Madrid. Sevilla about to do a deal. Um, they want 20 million euros, which isn't too much. And obviously, I imagine he's going to be on a lot less than David De Gea would be in terms of wages. Um, they also looked at Kepa, a possible loan deal um, at Chelsea. Um, I imagine they already had the taxi running when they heard that news, but he won't be going there now. Um, yeah, Bono looks as if he's coming in to replace Courtois and already Madrid are penciling in an Easter return for Courtois. So basically, he will miss the whole season. Um, and Bono's coming in. Um, he did well at the World Cup. I haven't seen too much of him playing for Seville, but um, so they, they like him, he's steady. Um, and he will also be happy to serve as number two when Courtois gets back. So no, no issues there. 
ideal scenario uh, for a bad situation for Real Madrid, who I'm sure. Well, are we going to do Mbappe on talking transfers to Madrid this summer, Graham, or are we just going to wait a year? He is. Uh, we did a piece this week. He is. He is reiterated to um, to PSG. I am not going to leave until my contract ends. Al Khalifi, we are told from sources, um, told his mother this week that he would never wear a PSG shirt again. Um, so that's what he told him. And in the last week, we're told that um, Al Khalifi said that. Um, I think his party think that if he's still there in September, it'll be impossible for him not to be picked for sporting reasons. So we'll see where this goes. But um, I, I think in terms of Enrique, we, we mentioned him. He wants this resolving. I think Al Khalifi is one of these people where... He might make a bad on the sidelines until December. I wouldn't rule it out with him. Would I would rather out... Spurs and PSG, I would say, in, in all this. At least without them. Say again, Sean? I would rather be Spurs than PSG right now, I'll say. I think that... Yeah. Whatever mess they've got going on, it, it, it will... It will it's just, it'll always be worse than your mess, so... My yeah. question for you there, Graham, is if Al-Khalifi does do that if he says Mbappe's not playing does Luis Enrique walk away from PSG because his well, position is untenable because he's being told what to do although then again though I think Al Khalifa would say ah you can't play Mbappe but here is Usman Dembele and Randall Kolo Moani to get on with so keep quiet and there you go so I think that's I think that's not a bad Scenario where yeah you don't have Mbappe. Although I don't, I don't Enrique. Enrique isn't sit there as we're saying, Toby. He's not sitting there saying I want Mbappe. He's just like Scott said and Kane. He just wants the situation sorted. It's not good for the squad. Verratti, who hasn't gone yet, the reason he wants to leave is the treatment of Neymar and Mbappe. So this situation isn't helping that either. It's 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 a real mess. Um, but yeah, PSG getting on with it and Colin Moani and Dembele. Quietly not having a bad little summer. Away from Mbappe, PSG, I don't think I'm having a bad little summer because I think Dembele and Colin Moani are nice fits for them. We'll end today's show with an absolute bang and talk about Everton. Uh, <laughs> so they've signed a player this morning. Chimiti has joined. Graham, you, you were complimentary of that before we started recording. I think... Um... Yeah, considering it's as good as they can do, considering the budget they're operating to, which is very, very small. Um, they, can, they, need, they need to get bodies in. Um, obviously, PSG related, they're trying for Hugh, Hugo Ekatiki, one of the favorite podcast favorites, of course. Doesn't look as if he's coming to England again because Borussia Dortmund, Dian Track Frankfurt, looking to replace Colin Moani, and now in for Ekateke, so Everton are struggling there. But they are. The one deal they're really hoping for is uh, Wilfried Gnonto. They think they might get him, but. Again, it's not so much they won't pay the thirty million. It's the fact of how how little I want to pay up front, as we've seen with the Antonio Langa deal, Scott, etc. And yeah, Everton are basically um, they're trying to shop at SCS or any big super, big um, furniture village that um, they want to buy now and pay later. Classic Everton. Does anyone have Everton to go down? Yep. Yeah. No, I think I'd just sixteen. Well, I think I'm, uh, I, 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 I just think. Well, I think Wolves with Gary O'Neill and that. T- uh, no, they've got some good players in there still. Um, they I do like, have but, Wolves' best centre half, Max Kilman. Still there? Yeah. Well, to, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, Max Kilman, Napoli. Um, we have rejected decent bids from Napoli this summer for him. Um, him and Dawson. I think him and Dawson were very good at the end of the season. I think that's if Dawson is, plays for the whole season. 
Um, so yeah, I think um, I think it'll be a big part of Wolves still. I think Captain, Wolves have Captain done the Kilman, thing. Go on, Sean. Sorry, Sean. Like, yeah, Wolves have. I think they've put out the fire before it started, and I think obviously not ideal to sack your manager in the week leading up to the season. But I think O'Neill went into Bournemouth last year. He had no like you basically you had no chance. They just lost nine 0 to Liverpool, and I think they survived pretty comfortably in the end. And I think Wolves probably have more talent than Bournemouth did last season. Not sure, not so much sure anymore, but I think that should be enough for them to stay up. Bournemouth, I do like the um, the two West Ham targets, Toby. Alex Scott and Max Owens completing this morning to Bournemouth. So, um, although I don't think anyone had Bournemouth going down in the 90 minutes, right? So I, I, did, I think I did. It's just oh, a did default, default right. position for, for, for me. <laughs> just always is. Uh, anyway, that, that's it for a, a bumper edition of Talking Transfers. Two main stories here. Harry Kane to Bayern Munich. Moises Caicedo to Liverpool with Chelsea still as we as it stands, not fully giving up, but as it stands, he's on his way to Liverpool. And uh that were there gonna be any other big deals before we go? Like this this summer, will anything top this? I I, I the one thing I would say, Scott, and this might annoy you, wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea suddenly come in for Amrabat. I'm sure he would jump at the chance to not play in Europe. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot of interest. In, yeah, it's so many big deals. Um, in terms of big deals, I think we're nearly there, aren't we? In terms of number nine, Ossiman is staying at Napoli, new contract on the horizon. Um, but yeah, two two big ones. I don't think we're going to see many many huge ones, but certainly the last few weeks of window will be smashing records in the Premier League. That's for sure. We'll be smashing podcasts as well. We'll be back next week for another talking transfers after all of this. Lucas Paquetta might be the big one. Yeah, might be yeah. a big one, you know. Man City. And I said, don't, money. don't, in terms, and and don't rule out Newcastle in this. You know, they haven't got the money, guys. And I think they're not the only ones. The way around the FFP is the is what PSG have done, Scott, with Ramos alone, but with an ob- obligation, um, you know, a mandatory purchase. Don't rule out Newcastle doing something really big with their. Uh, Eddie Howe has said he wants another player today. So there you go. That's it for talking transfers from a very sad Sean Walsh, uh, from a very confused Toby Cudworth about what his team is doing, and from uh, Graham Bailey. I don't really know how uh, to describe your feeling currently, but from Graham and from me, from Scott, uh, that has been it. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on the socials at double underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth. At Graham Bailey and at Sean DZ Walsh. That's it from us. We'll leave you for the weekend to enjoy the Premier League football and enjoy the madness of the transfer window. We'll be back next week for more talking transfers. Thanks everyone for listening. See you soon.